podcast from Two and Mike is, I think it's really cool and um, that is what I wanted to say. Two and a mic. Well, having Vlad on is always such an interesting experience. Today we talk about French fascism, uh, whether it's on the growth um, or just a predictable response to liberal elitism. Uh, in this podcast and the next few, we hover around these issues with distance objectivity. It just seems easier to analyze things, especially when we're talking about ideologies which can be extremely divisive in a semi-academic way. And this is what we try to do here. Um, if you may remember, uh, with Vlad, we were going through island state systems where we wanted to create our own systems. And Vlad and I had written down a number of uh, rules or principles that we want to establish. Uh, in this one, we analyze my next point in this particular series. Uh, and Vlad highlights some of the weaknesses of my approach. And also how some of my concepts are perhaps more idealistic than he would normally countenance. Um, but in, at the end, politics is a game of opinions, uh, and so therefore it's always interesting to hear one uh, or two or ten uh, which are counter to mine. Without further ado, I will leave our talk to speak for itself. Thank you, Vlad, and I hope all of you enjoy it. Vladimir, it's so good to have you back on. Your voice is music to my ears, brother. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be here again. What about you? How are you doing today? Yeah, good, good, good. I'm busy, but not as busy as you. You have a capacity to work, which is beyond human. Do they call you Super Vlad in the office? <laughs> no, they don't call me like that. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, you know, from time to time, you have to go the extra mile in order mm -hmm. to achieve some stuff. And yeah, now I'm facing such a phase. So um, yeah, but it's a... Uh, It's going to be over soon, and then I'm proud of my work, and yeah. Always proud of your work, Vlad. Um, you should definitely wear a cape. Um, I don't know if that's <laughs> if that's a part of your office attire, but Not I think really. some... No? Uh, maybe you could introduce it. I don't know. Some people should wear a cape uh, because they're super... It doesn't matter. Forget it. Anyway, so <laughs> ridiculous concept. Um, who would think of that? Um, yeah. So, I mean, we obviously have our series, which um, refers specifically to the creation of our island societies. And yep. yeah, that will continue. But before we come to that, um, the, you know, the political changes that are underway um, in, in certain places, the, these are always topics of interest, you know, sort of thinking about what events um, have to occur for societies to make significant shifts in their collective thoughts, collective ideologies. And it's not always the case that you can see these things developing um, before your eyes. And sure. yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to ask for predictions for um, what's going to happen on Sunday in the French elections, because it makes no sense. By the time I've edited this, the election will have passed and any prediction we make will be obsolete. Hmm. Um, so but what we can talk about is why perhaps in France um, significant changes have occurred. Now, regardless of what the result is, 
enough people in France over the last 10 years have felt themselves under or misrepresented by centre and centre-left political ideologies. And this is now the second time in a row that Marine Le Pen has been um, in the runoff in the second round, as it were, of the election. Hmm. Uh, so there's significant enough votes uh, to push her slightly more, shall we say, aggressive right wing agenda forward. Um, that's it, significant enough to talk about a shift, isn't there, in, in sort of the French uh, political ideology? For sure. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I would say that uh, for me, that wouldn't be a problem if she wins, because that's part of democracy, the system you love. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's my fault. Okay. <laughs> no, not really. But I, I, I would be very careful in in perceiving such shifts as problematic or as a problem, right? The way democracy works is we have candidates. They are trying to propose something, and people have uh, the right to vote, and they can choose if they go for person A or person B. If it's a uh, Macron or Le Pen, this is uh, a thing that they should uh, people decide. So um, yes, it's for sure a shift. That's also good, I guess. It's a good. Not I'm not talking about the content. I'm not talking about anything. But that's a, like a huge challenge for all politicians to to stay accountable, to stay close to the people, to stay close to the the, the needs of the of the people. And for sure, you you always have from time to time politicians that are just using the, the situation to take advantage of it and being populist, a word that I don't really like, because at the end, every politician is populist. And um, yeah, I guess we have to, to accept that's uh, the way society works. And and if people are, they, they don't feel represented by some political authorities, parties, then it's normal that they go and look for another options. Mm. I mean, a lot of people will listen to those words and think, oh, what is, who is this guy? Is he some kind of uh, crazy right wing nut or something? But that's absolutely not what you are saying. No. Um, what you're talking about is uh, a sort of academic analysis of the system. And so therefore, if you have a democratic system that suggests that at least in election times, the people have the right to choose. And if you have a legitimate political party, which is running a legitimate ballot, whether or not people outside of that country or outside of that particular structure find one of those participating parties to be distasteful is irrelevant as long as they follow the democratic system, which they suggest that they are, right? Right. If they follow the, the, the rules, the democratic system, and they are really like taking part of the game then it should be more than good if they win, then we need to respect that. Mm. I mean, you have one vote, so use it. If better if you are informed about it, but that's not always the case. In, I mean, not talking about you, because I know you really are into politics and you enjoy the topic and so on, but um, vast majority of people, when they go to the, yeah, to the polls to, to, um, to vote, they don't really know what they are voting. And this is also a, a problem that they, I have the slight perception. You know, when when 
politicians like are more in the center or even center left they win then it's also fine but if you have a right-wing politician that that win an election then people are stupid they are not informed they are frustrated they are and then this is a just too too arrogant from this let's say established left movements or a um, let's say established left uh, environment that uh, we are having in in europe for I don't know, the past maybe six, seven decades. Mm. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? People really do lack objectivity, especially when we're talking about um, political ideas. We're talking about power. We're talking about the way society is organized. But also we're talking about ourselves. Um, I mean, if we if we are faced at work with uh, a new software package, for example, which is going to significantly improve the way we do our jobs, lots of people will still be resistant to using it because it means extra effort. Um, so that means we inherently lack objectivity because we don't necessarily see what is better or worse, even if these, these two concepts exist. Um, we, we just simply cannot understand why People collectively would have an opinion which goes contrary to my own, especially as my opinion has been pretty much representative of my community, mm. as you say, for the last 60, 70 years. How can you possibly disagree with me? Um, there is a lot of conservatism with a small C uh, within you know, human nature. That's just how it is, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, you know, if... Um if you remember the, I guess that was a, like the first or the second session we did with this a island exercise that I was talking about uh, that everybody should have uh, should have the right to and the right to vote. So uh, that's a thing you cannot avoid right now. Like people are lacking, uh, they are lacking knowledge and objectivity and so on. And, and yeah, that's part of the democracy the way we have it nowadays. Yeah. No, I find it fascinating um, because you do come, you do bring it back around to that particular point, which is that you know people need to be able to qualify themselves to vote, and the way that that qualification process takes place is exhibiting enough knowledge and understanding um, of the parties involved, and also, I guess, the reason why you vote. Um, but sort of rather than rehashing uh, a previous episode, as you said, we've spoken about it before. So if people are listening now and they haven't heard it, please go back and listen to um, you know, our previous uh, discussions on this topic, because, uh, you know, Vlad's ideas is, is uh, you know, better analyzed there um, and definitely deserves uh, being uh, you know, given a chance. Um, yeah, I also I mean, I look back, um, obviously, Lots of people look back at the 1920s and 1930s um, in Europe, but uh, specifically in Germany, um, when they talk about how uh, an extreme right wing organization comes in and pretty much takes uh, the reins of power. And then obviously the Second World War took place and, you know, the Holocaust and the, you know, the horrific events that took place during the Second World War. And, you know, for this reason, Europe has always set itself against allowing extreme right-wing organizations to come into power. And, and this is why there is inherently this distaste for um, any party which has sort of automatically um, disqualification for foreigners, um, a lack of tolerance, 
a lack of respect of human rights for people who are um, not, shall we say, of the indigenous population and so on. You know, there is this fear. Um, and, you know, considering some of the historical events that I mentioned, that fear is, is, is justifiable. Um, but the situation in Germany in the 1920s is very different to the situation of France today in the 2010s and 2020s. Um, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's quite different, but um, maybe one comment, if I may. Please. Um, I, I would be very careful with that belief. I know this is a, it's, it would be probably also my perception, but uh, we, we would say like, okay, Germany, it's like, be careful not uh, that you don't get too righty. Let's, let's, let's say it like this. But at the end, it's a, you know, like the, 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 the party that uh, was the, the, largest time, the, the major time in, in, in office in the Second World War is the CDU, right? And the CDU, however you want to plan and however you want to explain it, it's not left, it's not center. It's a very clear right a party, right-oriented party without being extremist, right? So that's the thing that, they, that we should, um, at least from my um, perspective, we should avoid like putting like a left is cool, right is bad, and it's a uh, yeah. I just don't don't believe in in two things. I don't believe that the uh, Germany turn into more center or left uh, direction. I think there is a very clear trend in Germany since always being more uh, right oriented. You can also see um, like Merkel during the last years of her government. She was a bit more like going to the center, and the the one of the consequences that then the the, the CDU lost the, the election, right? So people are always like finding the sweet spot, like being right, but without being recognized as right people. And and yeah, it was just important to me to make that mm. uh, the, that comment that uh, that's not really. Um, that's not really true from my from my understanding that the that Germany is not really cool with right, and uh, yeah, the other thing is that uh, yeah, history is large, is huge, and history didn't start with the Second World War, and if you analyze the history of Europe, maybe in the past three, four, or five centuries, is yeah. A lot of countries uh, organizing war after war and being like a yeah finding the smallest excuse to, to start um, a word against people and, and, and so on. So, yeah, just to be very, very careful with, with this, um, in my opinion, wrong perception that, they, that here in Europe we are peaceful and, right and left-oriented. Yeah, absolutely. I would never um, dare to say that uh, in Europe we are peace-oriented specifically. Um, I think, as you say, just looking back at the last three or four hundred years of European history, um, yeah, it's, it's very clear that there are some you know, extremely powerful imperialistic influences. Um, and more than that, um, governments have been dominated by a will to... Um, force themselves upon supposedly weaker nations and benefit from it financially and socially. True. Yeah. But we could talk, we, we have to do, because in our previous podcast, you also talked about uh, Europe. I'm not going to say you're anti-European because I think no, you enjoy Europe. It. You love Europe, yeah. right? Yeah. But you did point out, and it was a great, <laughs> it was a great sentence, um, that the Renaissance was an opportunity for Europe 
to put itself in the center of the world. And and I, I found that to be an extremely entertaining statement. So we're going to we're going to have to come back to that one, Vlad. Yeah, um, because uh, I want to hear some of your thoughts on on, on sure. European development. Yeah. OK. Um, but anyway, so moving it along. Yeah. So we'll see um, on Sunday what happens with uh, France. And then maybe we can come back to to analyzing um, exactly why uh, whatever happens may have happened. Um, but back to our islands. So because I've got a couple more um, points on my list than, than you do, um, we're going to go into attacking my list a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Um, so if we get through uh, one, maybe we can consider doing another or not, but it doesn't matter. There's no rush. So my point number six, I'll quickly read it. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, and then we can yeah, go into it. So. Individual enterprise must provide a fair share to society and respect the dignity of employees and those directly affected by the processes and results of business operations, whether they are able to communicate or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I have the first question I would have. You say like they need to provide a fair share to society. Are you talking about taxes or is this something different? Okay. If the tax system that we are familiar with mm -hmm. was fair, then I would say yes. But I don't think the tax system is fair. And so therefore I would say no. Are we talking about the German tax system or? I'm talking or? about um, West European democratic tax systems because they all for some reason suffer from uh, similar uh, deficiencies which is essentially um, those individuals or organizations that are quite wealthy um, are, have access to possibilities with regards to shall we say manipulating the system legally even where they don't have to pay a certain amount of tax at least that they should the amount of tax that they should pay mm -hmm. i mean I'll, I'll give you an example um please amazon um i think amazon has paid a negligible amount of tax over the last i don't know how many years um however the boss of amazon is a multi-billionaire mm -hmm. and so and so therefore i'm sure he must have paid taxes On, on his individual income, because that would be simply crazy if that did not happen. Um, however, how is it possible that his company made no money and yet he's a billionaire? So that, therefore, I can only imagine there must be some kind of loophole in the system which allows for that money to be funneled out of that particular um, account and into other accounts. Yeah, I get that point. It's... Um... Hmm. It's a very difficult one because I, I really think that um, we need to be careful. I know that's not what you are doing, but um, I would be sure that we don't start like criminalizing successful uh, people or people that, they, that are running very big companies, right? Because when, when we talk about, okay, they must provide a fair share to society, I mean... Um, If we we talk, we, we continue talking about Amazon. Okay, you have that guy and you have 
2 million people that are employed working at Amazon. If you wouldn't have that guy, I don't know where would you like, where would you, uh, what would you do to, to uh, organize 2 million uh, of, um, how do you call it, employments or vacancies or, or yeah. So maybe a question, do you think this is also very important that we need to talk to the, the social, the positive social impact that such a person like Jeff Bezos have on society? Look, I take this argument from a slightly different perspective, okay, because I understand how regional governments um, give large organizations uh, tax subsidies so that they can establish their, their factories, their warehouses, their operations in their region. Um, and this is like a draw. On the other hand, I'm also familiar with occasions that companies have gone into a certain region, they've been given uh, a tax subsidy, they've been said, they've been told for the first five years of their operations. And then as soon as the five years are up, boom, they're out of there. Yeah. Uh, and, and these things have happened in, in Germany. I think Nokia was one of those organizations that, uh, that, that had that particular kind of uh, activity here. And as much as during those five years, the local region benefited from those jobs. But then after Nokia left, that had uh, a very neg a negative effect mm -hmm. um, on, on the community, perhaps even more so than the positive side. Um, yeah. If a government or a regional government is in a position that it can give tax subsidies to organizations simply to bring them in, then there must on the other side also be a certain amount of finance, which they can directly use to employ people into doing local social work, which can also be beneficial, both to them as individuals and to the society in which they live. As in, you know, I, I accept, of course, that you need to have entrepreneurs, you know, because entrepreneurs are in many ways a bit like artists, aren't they? You need to give them the their, their room um, uh, to do their work. The, you need to have that uh, creativity that they provide the market to expand, um, to, to introduce new ways of doing things. And so when I say fair, fair goes many ways. Fair is not just to the people. Fair is not just to the government. Fair is also to the companies and to the entrepreneurs. So, yeah. you know, they have to be also rewarded for the work that they do. I just find that there are too many cases within any society that you look at in a Western democracy where the number of people who are either millionaires or extremely wealthy is quite large and getting larger. And the number of people who are significantly below the poverty line is also getting larger and that i find unacceptable yeah, there's no reason why um, somebody should be paid two or three million euros or pounds a year on the one hand but on the other side you've got a million families that have to eat a certain amount of food which is not enough for them and their family they don't have enough money for their energy bills and they can't clothe their family properly uh, for them to go to school. Yeah, that that's just not right. Yeah, I get your point, and and for sure I'm I'm with you. But the thing is that the the way a system works, the way uh, an economy works, is a bit more complex. And if I would reduce the salary of the upper management of a huge corporation, that's mm, it's not like it's happened automatically, then, then we are going to reduce poverty. 
So one thing that I really learned during my the time I was focusing on on studying uh, political science and so on is that poverty is not a money problem. Poverty is really a extremely complex, difficult problem to understand, and you are not going to solve a, a money a poverty with money. Even even people that are starving. The problem is not the food, as crazy as it sounds. The problem are the structures that we have in the world that are not uh, working good enough. And Absolutely. and the thing is that if, I don't know, imagine uh, the, the managing director, I don't know, president or how you call it from Deutsche Bank or something, someone that I can imagine is doing like 10 million a year, something like this. And if we would reduce that to 5 million, then... Okay, let me know where. How do you want to do it to assure that this five million is going to the people that you were mentioning before? That would be beautiful if that would work that way, but that isn't the case. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I agree. I I don't think money automatically is a solution to any problem. Um, it it can. <clears throat> alleviate short-term issues mm -hmm. but as you say you know if you give um you know, a poor family you know 10,000 euros um yeah you know, i'm sure for the next 10 to 12 months they will have enough you know, money um to be able to pay for their food requirements and clothing and so on but then after that period they're still going to be poor they're still going to need support And it, you know, the, so the solution cannot simply be you know, give these people another 10,000 euros because society simply cannot afford for that to happen um, for the amount of people that they have um, who are below the poverty line. So you're right. There must be a structural um, change. It must be a structural shift. Mm -hmm. But we have to recognize this collectively. There's this element of collective responsibility simply doesn't exist because we are always taught, look after yourself, look after number one. You know, you have to win. And, mm. and, and I think the, the mentality that we teach uh, our younger generations to observe and to follow doesn't necessarily benefit the society in which we live. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I was just uh, uh, being careful with it because I think uh, the reason why we have poverty is not that we have billionaires or that we have people not paying taxes. This is a problem, but this is not the, the origin of the problems that, that we are talking about. It's, it's not that the people are all starving because Jeff Bezos isn't paying taxes, right? And if we talk, for example, about, um, let's talk about Germany, for example. It's like here, I know it's not perfect, but If I compare it, maybe I'm biased because uh, I'm from Colombia and I know in Colombia that it's like a, a totally different world. But if you are here in Germany, like you have access to public education, to public schools, you have access to public university, you can even do a PhD without paying anything. And then even if all those things never work, out for you and for some reason you are like okay you have no 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 job you have anything then there's still a lot of help here and I'm not saying that people living from such kind of um how do you call it, like social aid that they are receiving from the from the from the state from the government for sure they are not having the 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 most beautiful time in their lives 
but they are getting the minimum to have a life with dignity. And I know it's very difficult and awful to be poor within the first biggest economy of the world, but I mean, there's a lot of things that are going very good. And, and I don't, I just, it's not that I'm optimistic, but I really feel proud about what we have achieved as a society during the past decades. Imagine, I'm not talking compared now to 2000 years before, but just take it like 150 years ago. Imagine you and me, we wouldn't be here. It's like mm. a, some 200 years ago, maybe I wouldn't have access to glasses, right? And if I don't have access to glasses, I'm not able to read, I'm not able to go to school, I'm not able to learn anything. And, and if you compare all the biggest or, or most important let's say, uh, measurements that you have on, I don't know, uh, access to education, uh, people, uh, nutrition, and, and so on. We are, it's really amazing what, 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 what we have achieved. The thing is that, okay, there's room for improvement, right? But uh, I guess would be, I don't know, I don't, I wouldn't be a friend of thinking that the, that all the things that we're having now are going bad because they, I think we are really, really in a good way. I get that. Um, my point though is that we have these organizations which are you know, making these wonderful developments. For example, as you said, your glasses, um, microscopes, uh, satellites, uh, telecommunications, uh, you know, all of these wonderful things that uh, companies can create. But who are they creating them for? As essentially, they're creating them for a human civilization. And it seems to me far too many members of that human civilizations represent, um, if not necessarily slaves, um, because, you know, I, I want to be very careful with using that word, um, not necessarily slaves, but something very close to slavery um, and some people would say that in certain parts of the world we still do have slavery um, and I would be inclined to agree with that um, but I wouldn't want to paint uh, that you know slavery with the same brush that you would have somebody who lives in Berlin for example who works 10 or 12 hours a day uh, but then they go home and uh, you know sit down in front of their you know, the warm fire, you know, put their feet up and have a, you know, a sip of whiskey or something. That's not exactly what you would call slavery. So I'm talking about Where the Where are you discouraging me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but not just you. Um, but as in, I'm, that's not what I'm referring to when I say yeah, slavery. Yeah. I'm, re I'm referring yeah. to, you know, situation, places where there really are um, uh, people who have zero choice, uh, zero opportunities, um, and are simply basically used to do a specific job. And the benefit of that work um, is experienced by people thousands of miles away. Hmm. Yeah, I get the point. And, and yeah, as I said, I know there is a lot of uh, room. Um, there is for sure room for improvement. But uh, yeah, would be yes, a bit careful with the... Um, thinking that's because someone is not uh, paying taxes or something like this. Yeah. This is also a problem that we need to solve, but that's not the reason why we still have people in poverty and so on. And I do believe one thing is what I would like to have. One thing is what in my mind would be the perfect world. And the other thing is what's possible. And in my perfect world, I 
would love not to have people living in poverty conditions or in in yeah reality is that i don't think we will have that day that we wake up and everybody's rich or at least say not say rich but they're not living within poverty conditions mm. yeah i mean i don't want to be rich either um no no yeah so I, that's, that's not the issue but yeah i i look, i get your point Vlad, um, I really do. Um, the things uh, that, you know, mm. it's also important to know that the the state is also limited, right? It's like even if you have the the best government state ever, like really working as a the perfect well a well oiled machine and so on, people they 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 have also a a responsibility on their own that they you cannot do that much there right you you don't know what conditions people can have why they are not the i don't know going to school or they are not responsible or uh, so that's a that's also a thing that they, that uh, we we shouldn't forget because what i'm if we see also like learning from history when when the state tried to be that big like controlling everything let's say with good intentions it wasn't always the best idea yeah, clearly mistakes were made. Um, I mean, I'm not in any way here advocating, uh, on, you know, autocracy um, or any particular kind of dictatorship. But I think that there is a greater role there for the state if indeed there is a very clear benefit to society. And mm. um, the problem we always come down to is the misuse of power is um, inherent corruption. Because even in, for example, the Soviet Union, where, mm. when I, whenever I've spoken to people who lived in the Soviet times, um, you know, very few people had actually had um, the, the wealth that they perhaps have today. Um, and I'm not talking about the oligarchs, obviously. But mm. The only way that people could get ahead in Soviet times was by taking things from the factory which they produced and selling it on the black market. Yeah. Because because otherwise it simply you know society simply did not have or did not create enough wealth through the system for people to be able to live adequately. Um, you know, there was always you know shortages of electricity, shortages of uh, hot water. Um, shortages of bread. People, I remember, you know, I had one of my sort of great aunties. She lived there, and she said she always had to queue up at four or five o'clock in the morning to get a loaf of bread so that her family could eat uh, breakfast and lunch for that that day. So, yeah, I, I completely understand that you know these huge, um, you know, state structures and instruments are not necessarily beneficial. Uh, and they do tend to lead to corruption for people to be able to survive at least you know, with a minimum amount of food and uh, and dignity. But there's a, there has to be a, a middle structure, as in, you know, we we've heard so many times, Vlad, that um, uh, right wing politicians, and I say right wing, I don't mean extreme, I mean like conservative politicians. Yeah. Um, or market libertarians, you know, say, no, no, the market has to remain free. The market has to decide. But the market never decides. True. 
Yeah, it's the powerful organizations within the market that decide. Yeah, yeah. But wouldn't we rather have a, a, a country which is which is governed by um, an organization that's been elected by the people to make those decisions rather than uh, some selective companies which have basically managed to either monopolize or manipulate an entire system? Um, because that's just completely, you know, throwing, you know, rubbish uh, in the face of the people. The market had never decided. Sorry. Yeah, no, right. no, true, true, true. Totally, totally with you. But uh, yeah, but I'm not sure if we would go the the like the other way around. Like you elect someone to to really decide that. I wouldn't be sure if that would be a good idea, or at the end it would be even worst. Mm. Yeah. So it comes down to humanity's uh, inability to see a clear path towards, I suppose, in this case, you know, responsible social governance. Um, but, you know, if that's the case, you know, what about the, you know, the, the current, you know, um, should we say, need for sustainable development? Um, you know, who's going to take care of that? Because, you know, clearly, you know, companies have known about some of the damage that they've done to the climate for 50 or 60 years in some cases, but mm. they, did, they didn't give a shit. Um, and, and it's only now that governments have finally jumped on board um, to talk about sustainable development and, you know, trying to uh, limit the effects of climate change. So, you know, clearly, if we leave things to, to companies or to the market to decide, they don't give a shit. Yeah, that's a, a, well, this is a very radical opinion because I, I think that the, um, you you don't know, you not only have like Amazon, Microsoft and so on, you also have like a small companies, companies under that have less than 200 employees. And this is actually the, the, the backbone of uh, modern economies, right? So I I really do believe that the, the social impact is very positive from people running business entrepreneurs and and so on and and we are giving huge corporations and importance that they don't even deserve because i think we are exaggerating a bit with the impact that they could have on society and 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 so on and they are also part of society and they are also humans and they are also people uh, running that companies and and yeah, I don't know if it's uh, clear my point, but... Uh, yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. And, and I completely agree with you. But this is why I say um, you know, very few of those smaller companies, those SMEs, um, yeah. you know, have been around for 50 or 60 years. And even even fewer had a single concept of climate change in the 1950s and the 1960s. So, you know, I'm clearly, I'm not referring to those. I am referring to those behemoths, which are, you know, your, your, your multinational organizations. You know, these are the ones that had access to the information and they decided to disregard it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I, I, I get it. Mm. Okay, so um, you were talking about giving a fair share. When you are talking about fair, what what exactly? It's like you have the the feeling they are giving something back that is enough to compensate what they they are doing, or how would you measure it? All right, I was I've always been taught that economics is the process by which society decides what, how, and for whom 
to produce. Okay. Mm -hmm. Distribution yeah. of resources, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. So therefore, I would say that what is deemed fair to society depends on the society. However, society has to, at some point, make academic or scientific judgment on what is needed for society. And so therefore, it will take what is needed for society by those individuals and organizations whose work is derived from that society. Okay, so for example, if I have a group of five people um, and I have a great idea, these five people work for me, with their effort, I make money, I have to pay them a fair wage. Okay, because yeah, I will probably take more because it was my idea, it's my process, it's my concept. But without them, it wouldn't work. And I know somebody would say to me, yeah, but then you just, yeah, if they don't want it, then you just get another five people. No, that doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Because because then, and you know better than I do, how hard is it to recruit? How yeah. hard is it to recruit the right people? Yeah. So if I've, if I've made a success with the first five, I really don't want to have to change it. A, it's a pain in the ass to find a replacement, and B, you're never guaranteed that the person you replace somebody with is going to be the same. Yeah. Yeah, totally true. I mean, that, that's a, a funny and interesting because actually all the companies we were talking before, like, a, okay, having a, a too high impact in, 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 in the future of the world and so on, normally they are well known for paying fair and that's why people really would love to work at um, amazon or microsoft or all these uh, tesla and 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 so on you know those are suspects so i guess this problem with um people not paying that high is more in in small companies not always the case but uh, then i think that's the reason why you need then a minimum wage because for sure there are for i mean there are some jobs where you really you don't need any kind of qualifications and that's normal that that people then don't get that the uh, higher salaries doing that like i don't know like delivering food or or a, let's say a, yeah a cleaning cleaning houses or so on so then it's really important to have a minimum wage that it's a uh, well calculated and then you know that if somebody is working 40 hours uh, per week doing whatever they, they are doing, they for sure they have the right to live with dignity and not only with dignity, like uh, also like go on vacations, like buy clothes, like uh, go to the theater or uh, to the cinema and so on. Mm. Yeah, no, no, I, I appreciate that. But I mean, then again, there are also situations where you could say delivering food in a specific area does require a certain amount of knowledge, um, at least of the specific area. Um, I mean, and now. Yeah, okay, but that's. Uh, I'm just. I saying. mean, uh, true, true, true. Okay, but it's not uh, no rocket science. It's not like you need to go to university for 10 years before a. Uh, downloading Google Maps and, and putting the, the address and going there. <laughs> yeah, okay, but we're talking about an urban environment, yeah? Um, but, but what if, for example, I'm a delivery driver and I have to make deliveries in uh, a, a rainforest uh, to you know, certain you know, remote areas, then I couldn't care less about you know, Google this or Apple that. You need to be a real expert of that area uh, to know where to go, um, at what time you should leave, and what kind of weather patterns you should pay attention to. 
So, I mean, I, I'm just saying that Ooh. even in the and, you know, better than I do, because you're from South America. And so therefore, you know, where we're in Europe, where I live or Berlin, um, we don't tend to get the kind of extreme weather conditions that somebody would perhaps get in South America, for yeah. example. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, the only correction I would make to the list of companies that you named when you're talking about fair payment, um, there are some jobs at Amazon, um, which recently there have been lots of complaints about with regards to uh, their pay structure. So lots of people that work in warehouses have complained about being underpaid, especially for the amount of work that's been expected of them. Um, antisocial hours, unfairly treated, disrespected, um, and so on. And and I think this in itself should be like a package thing. Nobody has a right to uh, disrespect another person just because they are um, lower down the food chain than they are uh, within That's an organization. Absolutely, yeah. I'm totally with you. Well, the thing with, with um, Amazon and all these uh, huge corporations is that you always will find negative cases, but you should never forget they are two million people, right? Mm. It's for sure that within two million, you are going to find assholes that are uh, acting as managers. You are going to find really cool people. You are going to find really bad people. And that's something you cannot avoid. And I know from the, and I really know it, that they had already before the, the new minimum wage was established here in Germany, they were already paying the same amount. So they were paying more than they, they were legally required to. And let's say such um, positions in, in, in warehouse and, and so on, this is what normally people get a minimum wage because the, the, let's say the job specific skills that you need to apply for such a position is like, okay, you need two hands. Mm. But I, I will simply counter that with a point that you made earlier. In some cases, it doesn't come down to money, it's structure. Yeah. yeah? Um, and so therefore, this is why I look at uh, you know, s systemic failures. So whether that is systemic failure in uh, rooting out racism or systemic failure in gender bias issues um, and, and other kinds of discrimination. Um, I think it's a form of discrimination to underpay people. Now, whether or not that is deliberate um, or by a certain individual, um, that's a different matter. But if the entire system is not built in a way to protect these kinds of people, then the mm. system needs to look at itself. Yeah, There's no way that one individual manager in one of these larger companies can get away with doing some of the stuff that they clearly have got yeah. away with. It's just, it's, yeah. It just shouldn't happen. Yeah. yeah Right? As in, I, I mean, you, you, you've been, you are a human resources manager, yeah? yeah. You know, if somebody in your company is has been either verbally or physically or sexually abused, but they don't want to come to talk to you because they're afraid of losing their job, would you not agree that that is a structural failure within sure. the organisation? Sure. And I guess I wouldn't work in such a company. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so many people don't have the choice that you do, Vlad. That's that's true, and that's why I really believe in the um, in the um, let's say power of well-structured rules and and yeah, and, and the things that the, the the legal system, all the 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 laws, they are always in a beta mode. It's like 
there's not going to be the, the day that you wake up and you say, okay, we have all law that we need. We have all rules already defined. It's something that they, with every single year, with every single decade, you are facing new challenge as a society, as a private sector, and so on. So I would be just um, yeah, um, like focusing my energy in having a very good structural legal system that uh, we have a good minimum wage and, and so on. Because one thing, I, I love like... Um, 90% of everything what, what you're saying, but the 1% that I don't like is that you are you are proposing some rules, but then you already know that these rules are not going to be enough, so you want to create some behavior expectations that, I mean, if you cannot control people with rules, then it's going to be even more complicated with to, to, to uh, organize it with expectations. Yeah, of course. As people who um, observe and um, study human behavior, so you know, politics, society, and so on, um, I have to accept that you could have the world's best rule, one individual rule, which everybody will say, that's fantastic. 100% of the people would say, that's a fantastic rule. And yet you would still have a certain percentage who will go out and try to break that rule. Yeah. And that is humanity. Yeah. We cannot escape that fact. Uh, humans are unpredictable. Humans are curious. I could be the world's biggest law abiding person, but I will say, do you know what? I'm so curious to see what will happen if I break this rule that I will go out and break that rule just to see what the consequences are. Or because maybe I'm a thrill seeker and I want to live on the edge and I'll see, wow, what are they going to do to me if I do this? How are they going to catch me? You know, no. so there are always these kinds of people uh, within society. So uh, no system is going to control everyone. Yeah, the thing um, we see the, the 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 same problem. I only guess we have a different approach because that was actually one of my first point. I was uh, um, straight talking about the penal system, about um, how to organize the justice system. What if people? Um, are not according are not acting according the, the the constitution the rules and 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 so on so i know the problem but my solution is then to have a um, yeah well structured penal system where i know okay if someone is not uh, acting according the rules of the society that we define together then it's going to be punished in a way that uh, he can or she can be um, yeah, reintegrated to society at some point. And that's why I was talking about, okay, such a person shouldn't have a, they, they have the right to vote. Uh, such a person, uh, yeah, will have also like, um, not only a punishment in terms of going to pressure or paying something, but also a social one. And, and that's, uh, that's what for me, it's, it's really important, right? And and yeah, so it means that we both see and acknowledge the problem, but maybe we are different with expectations. I would do it more with a penal system. You are doing it more like a increasing the expectations of society. The things that I don't know how much power you will have to, um, <laughs> because the, yeah, that's that's so cool that, that you're expecting that. But if, I know if if I I don't think Jeff Bezos is going to listen to our podcast. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, but it's not that he's gonna change that. Uh, he's gonna change something because uh, he listens to your ideas. But if we together create a a panel system where okay, uh, you know, if you don't do it, then 
you will have problems with the system, then it's a, a different thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I would like to start my system with uh, yeah, focusing on education. But education will only look after the next generation or the generation after. And, um, you know, we've still got uh, 15 or 20 years with this generation that we need to take care of. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, that requires different measures. Yeah, um, That's true, but that's also a very yeah complicated topic. We can, if you want, like like have a session only talking about education, because I love education. This is like um, that's actually the the things that I enjoy the most. That I enjoy the most is learning, buying books, uh, uh, educating myself. But we have to be very clear with the expectation management, and from time to time we tend to uh, overestimate education. So. Uh, yeah, it was one of the things also during the past uh, century that we start believing that education is the solution for everything. And now if you compare like statistics, like, okay, we have now people with uh, more access to education. So we have people that um, that have better um, education um, standards, but poverty is the same. So uh, educating is a beautiful thing. But I would still think in the the solution is um, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it does depend what problem you're trying to address. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if it's poverty, then um, education has helped in some ways, but not yeah. uh, universally. Um, yeah. And just one other thing, because you've made no comment on it. So I should bring it up uh, at the end of that number po point. Number six, I say yeah. whether whether they are able to communicate or not. Um, and the, the ones that are not able to communicate, I mean non-human. So I'm referring to um, the animal kingdom. I'm referring to plants and trees. I'm referring to you know, other living creatures. Um, we have to, uh, you know, as a part of the ecosystem in which we exist, we have to take into consideration um, the needs of, you know, our cohabitants. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. I I didn't uh, get the point at the the first time you say it. I was thinking you were talking about some communities that they, because of their status, they are not really, uh, yeah, present or they don't don't have the representation that they that they for sure deserve. So I was mm -hmm. uh, thinking you were talking more about um, let's say communities that uh, which um, conditions are not the best. But yeah, mm -hmm. totally agree. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we are we have to take care of the of the planet of everything, and because otherwise, yeah, if we if we don't do anything in 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 that direction, that at some point uh, we are gonna die as a a race. So yeah. Mm. But I would also say sometimes the best thing we can do is to do nothing, and which is to stay out of uh, certain areas and to allow these areas uh, you know, their own opportunities to grow. Uh, uh, un, uh, should we say hindered by human curiosity yeah yeah so well what you were talking about like for example in the um, you don't need to start the i don't know doing some crazy research in the middle of the jungle if it's not necessary because the only thing that we are gonna create is a negative impact on the ecosystem right there and so on exactly so, okay yeah yeah. yeah, well, it's, it's totally agree, but but I know also there there are some points that are critical because I know uh, we need resources and and now if we would say okay we stop doing now everything what we did, then 
countries like Germany will remain the way they are, the, the way they are, and that's cool. But countries like Sierra Leona or or I don't know which uh, poor country in Africa would be the same. So um, I know that's a bit uh, critical, like expecting now being totally green from every single country in the world. That's uh, it's a bit complicated. It's a bit uh, could be also seen or understood as not fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we kind of touched on this also in uh, our, our sort of previous podcast. And um, and so therefore, I wouldn't take it down that line, though we, we can have another uh, session where we have a chat basically about the the inequality of uh, climate policies, which are being forced yeah. on on certain countries, um, considering the histories of, you know, the countries that are making the demands uh, and the companies uh, that the countries that are being expected. Uh, to adhere to those two months. So, you know, clearly there is an, a level of inequality there which has to be addressed as well, and, and we'll look at that. Um, but, yeah, cool. Vlad, what can I say? I have a feeling that, um, yeah, time is running short, but I have to say I I so enjoy um, the opportunities that we have of analysing things, and, and I love the fact that you never 100% agree with me, um, and you always say it's 99% that you agree, but it's... It, it feels like a lot less that you agree, <laughs> but that's cool. Yeah, I, I I just want to say that I enjoy it, and um, yeah, it's good. It's always a pleasure to have this kind of conversations uh, with you, and I really enjoy that. The, I mean, the, the 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 things that we see the problems and we know we need a solution. It's just that we have maybe different approaches, but the but I really love that we have like this common thing that we really know where we want to go. We really know what it's uh, or what with consider is good for people and and it's for sure um yeah fantastic to 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 know different approaches and and challenge challenge that you challenge my point of view and the other way around as well so yeah thank you very much it's a um, for sure a pleasure doing that with you cool i've got such a big smile on my face um <laughs> yeah i'm good i'm gonna look forward <laughs> listening to this again when i do the editing Vlad, thank you very much my man um it's great you're brilliant thank you Cool. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Two and a mic.